How's it going, everybody? So, lay there and sleep, girl. Back at it with another panic attack with Big John. Um, I'll try to do this in two 15-minute kind of segments. Um, I mean, the podcast and the YouTube will be a little different, but, um, so last I talked to y'all, Yens, you guys, Ewens, uh, we talked up the, uh, unfortunate death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg at the age of 87, um, And the, the infighting's already starting uh, in the Senate. Um, Chucky Schumer, of course, is going to try to do everything he can to block any kind of vote or nomination. Uh, the approval of a nominee uh, may have to, I may have to, or you may have to do more research. I, um, if the nomination fails, like Trump wants to, obviously wants to get this done before uh, November, but he's, it says in this article, you know, he says we have until January 20th. Well, you know, nobody's going to approve his justice during his lame duck period, I don't think. It's possible. Um, and... Amy Barrett is qualified in the eyes of a rational person. Unfortunately, Democrats are not rationale. So, uh, the AP reporter, President Donald Trump, is promising to put forth a female nominee in the coming week to fill the Supreme Court vacancy created by the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, pushing the Republican-controlled Senate to consider the pick without delay. Taking the state Saturday in North Carolina, chance of fill the seat, the president said he would nominate his selection despite Democrats' objections. And after con- and, la, la, la. and after conducting what he joked was a very specific scientific poll of the Fayetteville crowd, in other words, their chance of fill the seat were scientific poll, making fun of the polls that say he's losing. Um... He says he has a very talented, brilliant woman. We win the election, and those are the consequences, he said. Who then seemed to signal that he'd be willing to accept a vote on his nominee during his lame duck period. We have a lot of time. We have plenty of time. We're talking January 20th. But... 
one Republican senator has already broke ranks. Maine's the senator from Maine, Susan Collins, who is in a tough re-election battle, said early Saturday that she believed replacing Ginsburg should be a decision of the president who is elected November 3rd. Uh, let's hope and pray that's Trump. But uh, the I'm not just going to sit here and recite a news article to you guys. This, uh... See, the way Democrats want the Supreme Court to look is, um... a person from every different background, right? Now... The, the job of the Supreme Court is to interpret laws and things, uh, actions, whether they're a, a, a written law or an unwritten law, in accordance with the Constitution. The, this ju uh, Justice Barrett that Trump wants to appoint... Well, she's Judge Barrett right now. She is an interpreter of the Constitution. You have somebody like Sonia Sotomayor, who Barack Obama appointed. She is very well qualified, but she's also a token. She's a token Hispanic member of the Supreme Court, I'm sorry to say. That's how Democrats work, okay? They use women, blacks, other minorities to gain popularity and sympathy, uh, gain popularity through sympathy. And <clears throat> what they, they do is say, well, you know, we need uh, not just a female to replace this person, but this type of female, because everyone's views should be represented. No, the only view that is represented by the, the Supreme Court is the Constitution. You look at the founding document itself, and it establishes the Supreme Court to rule whether laws are fair based on the ultimate uh, law of the land, the Constitution. It's not there for, you know, this is, this is the, the feeling of the populace at the times kind of thing. You can look at any time uh, in history and know that segregation was wrong. It was right to some crackers, crackers down south. It was right to some Republicans down south. It was right to some Democrats down south. And that's the thing that you know history glosses over. You know, the South 
the Jim Crow South, the Ku Klux Klan, the most, the actual most racist president we ever had, Woodrow Wilson, was a Democrat. Uh, the first film ever shown in the White House was The Birth of a Nation, which is Ku Klux Klan propaganda. That is wrong. Okay? But, you know, the, the point I was getting at was when the segregation laws of the South came up uh, for voting or when desegregation and uh, integration laws came up to the Supreme Court, I think it's a no-brainer that <clears throat> you know, any law where it says whites only toilet, blacks only toilet is illegal in a public building. Um, public schools and things of that nature, busing, public transportation. You know, th these things are no-brainers. However, you know, you can have a uh, Supreme Court uh, during the segregation era. One Supreme Court uh, ruled that a thing called separate but equal where you could separate black and white in schools, black people and white people could go to separate, you could segregate the schools as long as the black school was equal to the white school, right? Well, they were never equal. You know, you go into the, the black school and the ceilings leak in, the books are from a hundred years ago, uh, you know, things like that, you go into the white school and it's like pristine. I don't know that for sure, but that's what I was taught. So later on down the road, some things happen on the Supreme Court, maybe some justices changed or God struck somebody with the gift of common sense that he gave to a pissant and they ruled that segregation is just flat out illegal and public schools had to be integrated, uh, public buildings, you had to have one toilet that anybody could use, one drinking fountain, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was a great thing, obviously. But it was interpreted in the view of the Constitution. All men are created equal uh, by their creator by God you know everyone has the right to life liberty pursuit of happiness that's everyone man woman black white whatever person of color I guess I'm supposed to say now to include everybody um, but that's how the Constitution and the Supreme Court work it's not about your feelings. It's not about what's popular at this time. And this Amy Barrett is that kind of judge. She's on a court of appeals now. Uh, her the judicial philosophy is that of the Constitution. How does this stack up versus the Constitution? And the Constitution is a beautiful document. I don't care what color you are. 
it includes you. Okay. All men are created equal. At the time that was written, the word men referred to mankind, everyone on earth. Now we have to say humankind or man and womankind. But at the time, mankind, all, all men meant everybody. Um, and it meant black men and white men. You know, little known fact, you know, George Washington, because he was under a colony of Great Britain, could have been held liable if he had given away or freed his slaves while he was alive. Um, of course, after the United States gained its freedom, you know, Washington became somebody that told his... Or No, they never gained freedom under him. Pardon me. After, yeah, after the United States gained its freedom from Great Britain, uh, he became kind of a revolutionary who would give his slaves, like, money and rewards for uh, doing a good job versus either do a good job or get punished. But uh, this isn't a talk about slavery or George Washington. Amy Barrett looks like she's going to be Trump's nominee. Um, I think anybody, anyone that doesn't support her is a sexist because she is for interpreting the Constitution. She's not Ruth Bader Ginsburg that's going to have a feminist ideological look at this and that's not how the co the Supreme Court is supposed to work sorry to break you little hots that ain't how it work you base your decisions and opinions on does this stack up to the Constitution is there a legal precedent if it is not something that can be directly derived from the Constitution. When I worked for Judge Spicer in Summit County at the probate court, uh, he was the first judge in Ohio to decide a... Get my stogie restoked. He was the first judge in Ohio to decide on uh, the right to die. There was a 16-year-old girl. This was before I worked for him. This was in the early 80s. And I worked for Spicer 2004-ish. Somewhere about there. Um, maybe it was 2002 or three. Well, anyway. Oh, Spicy. Old Man Spicer. I learned a lot about class and respect and how to carry myself as a man in a business type setting in that, that courtroom. But aside from that, uh, in the 80s when he first became a probate judge, probate court was looked as like a paper pusher kind of judge and he had fallen to his lap 
the legal guardianship of a young woman who had been tragically hit head-on by a drunk driver <clears throat> on her way home from prom or homecoming. And the doctors and their attorneys wanted legal guardianship of this girl who was in fact brain dead but they said we can keep her alive on this new technology we have called life support and their fam her family pardon me said our daughter has no brain function uh, except for you know the tiniest little part but to you or I you know we would consider no brain function if you can't talk you can't hear you can't open your eyes um, and the cortex of your brain is not functioning just the basic instincts uh, in your inner brain or your brain stem um, are working and but with help from uh, machines you know your lungs are breathing and things of that nature well her family said this is no life at all and Judge Spicer agreed with her with them the reason <clears throat> I have sinuses draining so I can't talk straight. Let's see if that water helps. <clears throat> it didn't. <clears throat> In a later right to die, that's what these cases were called, later right to die case, the Supreme Court cited Judge Spicer in their decision of this is how the law has been interpreted in the past so when justices cannot directly derive their decision from the Supreme Court they're to go out and look for other legal precedents such as this right to die case decided by Judge Spicer and that's the type of justice this uh, Barrett will be. She will not be a feelings justice. She will not make it up on by the seat of her pants on the fly. It's not going to be, well, this is what a woman would feel. Uh, this is what a, a, well, I look white, but I'm, you know, of, you know, a million different descentages. No, this is... Uh, going to be someone that judges on the Constitution and legal precedent. And she's been a teacher of law at Notre Dame, so she knows law. Uh, you know, of course, you know, da, da, da. she went to law school. She practiced under Anton Scalia, uh, who is a very highly respected, or pardon me, she was a clerk under Anton Scalia, Scalia. <laughs> who is a very highly respected Supreme Court Justice. Uh, and she's much like Mr. Scalia in her uh, way of thinking and judging. So, uh, God bless her. She's going to be run through the muck and the mire uh, and everything in between. So, I'm going to cut the podcast here. YouTube, you'll stay with me. 
and I'm going to talk uh, some George Floyd. Had a little slash there, leading us in and out of a little breaky break. Um, can I close this tab? Come on. Chum on, computer, work. It's not chumming on. Oh, there we go. So, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the George Floyd saga continues um for those of you that have never watched me before hate my guts already you're gonna love me um in a prior panic attack episode um i apologized to all my police friends um all policemen around the country um because i hopped on the george floyd bandwagon so quick so fast, yeah, I feel like a fool. Um, I was all over these four officers. I said they need to be shot, uh, you know, you know the, the death penalty, not you know, like by random people, but you know, shot, electric chaired, drawn and quartered, and then burned at the stake. All four. Um, they murdered a man. I'm sad. I watched a man die on video in front of me. Um, and I, I've seen death before. Um, I don't think I've ever seen somebody die, but, you know, I was here when, and we found my grandparents dead in our home. Um, but to watch a guy slowly fade into death really upset me and obviously upset a lot of people and a lot of folks in the black community have had negative experiences with police officers um, they feel that you know they're targeted or they're marked and You know, I personally, when I was a village councilman, voted to elect the first black police chief in my town's history. He does not see it that way, and he does not want to be seen that way. He just wants to be seen as the police chief. But some people uh, from down south who come into town... The dude works, our police chief works like multiple jobs. Uh, and one truck driver came into one of his jobs. And uh, somebody said, hey, chief, blah, blah, blah. And he's, the truck driver was like, oh, people call you chief. And he said, no, I'm the chief of police. And the truck driver from somewhere, Cracker South, was like, no, you're not the, you're not the chief of what? But, you know, where I live, all the police are the same. They treat everyone the same. They don't matter race, creed, color. I'm just fortunate enough to grow up in an area like that. I know some pockets of the South 
back in the good old boy redneck cracker days, and it still exists to this day. There are police officers with prejudice. Um, you know, the number of unarmed black men shot by police is less than the total number of unarmed white men shot by the police last year. But percentage-wise, you know, it's a little higher because black folks make up uh, a lesser percentage of the overall population. Unfortunately, due to no fault of their own, through uh, economic circumstances, uh, black folks have a much higher interaction with the police and much more, like 60% of violent crimes, unfortunately, are committed by black folks. But it's not because they're black, it's because of where they live, the poverty they live in, uh, things of that nature. So I'm not saying that, you know, black people commit crime and have interactions with police at higher rates than whites because they're black. I'm saying they're reasons for that. George Floyd had an interaction with the police because he's an asshole. And this is where I said, you're going to love me. You love me. I love you. You love me. Hi, baby. My dog. We're all one disgruntled family with a knick-knack patty wet. Give a dog a bone. Okay. Enough for a slap happy. So, I think the officers in the George Floyd case need to be charged with something. First or second degree murder are not that. Uh, third degree murder, yes. Um, complice, now, my psychiatrist, yeah, you figured it out by now I'm crazy. Um, no, I just have severe panic disorder. My psychiatrist said uh, something called like complicity to ne neglect ho homicide. I don't know. They fucked up. We'll, we'll admit that. So after they freaked up, uh, you know, when Floyd lost consciousness, I think they were obligated to turn him over and start CPR, uh, remove the handcuffs. And things of that nature. So, I mean, gross negligence, oh, for sure. Uh, and I don't know what kind, of, what law that would fall under. I'm not a lawyer, but uh, first or second degree murder. Uh, uh Not even the guy that was kneeling on his neck. I mean, if you look at Chauvin, who I was, oh man, I was laid into this dude a few months ago for episode after episode. If you really look at Chauvin, it doesn't look like he's applying a lot of pressure to the dude's neck. And Floyd was complaining of, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, George Floyd was complaining of, I can't breathe, while, I think while he was still in his SUV. And as they were walking him to the police car, he was complaining he couldn't breathe. So before they ever put him on the ground, the, the kneeling on him had nothing to do with his breathing problem. Uh, he was in a state of like hyper dysphoria, which people that are hopped up on four times the amount of meth that it takes to kill a normal person, excuse me, that it takes to kill a person, or is going to have that. Um, 
Uh, Mr. Floyd, you know, was unfortunately a junkie. He was trying to pass funny money. And people said, oh man, this is all about a $20 bill? They did that to him? No. If you watch the body cam footage, they're being downright nice to the guy. Uh, I don't see the part where he goes to... I see parts where he puts himself... He, he keeps trying to like sit down and keep having to stand him back up. But he's like, let me lay down, let me lay down. And, and things like that. So now there's a, a battle going on to have cameras in the courtroom. Now, most famously, we had this at the OJ trial. And OJ was acquitted. And good or bad or otherwise, whatever you think, um, I mean, we had, they had the they didn't rot, really riot that much, but they they turned over some police cars outside. The, what? Why would you do that? Your guy won, but you know, outside the uh, L.A. courtroom, it was kind of like O.J. was vindication for the uh, Rodney King acquittal, where the officers were acquitted of police brutality on Rodney King. Although Rodney King sued the city of Los Angeles. And got millions of dollars in compensation that nobody ever talks about. Uh, but they want to put cameras in the courtroom for this trial of the Minneapolis police officers. Um, so here we go. The trial of four former Minneapolis police officers charged in George Floyd's death would generate massive public interest when it begins in March. But as it stands, most people who want to watch the proceedings will be out of luck. The judge overseeing the case has yet to decide whether cameras will be allowed. Supporters of audio and visual coverage say the high-profile nature of Floyd's death, the outrage that led to worldwide protests, and courtroom restrictions caused by the coronavirus pandemic oops I just said coronavirus on YouTube uh, make this the right time and case to allow cameras in the courtroom but the state attorney general's office which is prosecuting the case opposes them saying cameras would create more problems just look at the situation or pardon me, let me restart that sentence over. The quote is, I just can't think of a situation where it's more important than a, than a case like this for the public to see what's actually transpiring in the courtroom, said Jane Kirtley, director of the Shilhas Center for the Study of Media Ethics and Law. Justice that cannot be observed cannot be considered real justice. Well, that's bullshit. Every 99% of court cases uh, go, go on without there being cameras in the courtroom. Uh, in June, Judge Peter Cahill decided against allowing audio and video c coverage 
of the pretrial proceedings because he said it would risk tainting the possible jury pool and the state opposed it but Cahill who still who is still weighing requests to try the defendants separately said he would rule on trial audio and video coverage at a later date it's unclear when that ruling will come now i think that they need to have cameras in the courtroom and they need to let people see what's going on most people that are watching will not understand a lot but that's where your alleged news media can fill the void and have legal experts on their newscast to explain to the public what uh, some of the legal terminology might mean and things of that nature. So uh, my thing is, I think people need to see the evidence. They need to hear the questions of the prosecution and the defense uh, in order for this trial to be seen as justice. Okay? Um, I have a fear that these guys are going to be acquitted just because... The things they're being charged with, uh, if they're being charged with second degree murder, that's quite a stretch. The third degree murder fit precisely. First degree murder, with, because of the premeditation clause, it's not even close to, to fitting this George Floyd case. But my opinion of George Floyd is he is a drug addict who overdosed and died in police custody. I don't think anything the police did that day caused his death. He was going to die because of medical conditions, because of the amount of drugs in his system, and fentanyl wasn't the only one. There were other drugs in his system too. So, with that, uh, this has been Panic Attack. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Remember to, um, I don't know, twiddle your thumbs. I don't know what you do. But uh, I'm on all the podcasting platforms uh, called Panic Attack with Big John. On Facebook, it is Big John's Conservative Op-Ed page. And on Twitter, it is at the real underscore Big John. And on Parlor, it's at the real Big John. All one word. And coming soon, something else. I don't know. Another platform. I'll oh, Twitch. I'll be on Twitch uh, at the real Big John. So, with that, thank you guys for listening. God bless you. Pray for each other. <laughs>